We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. Stick with me this episode through my audio. I can't use the normal mic today because I am traveling. And if I did, you would pick up the sounds of the wilderness as I am knee-deep in New Jersey right now. Um, so, yeah, you'll be hearing raw audio on my end, crispy clear from the old man Andreas Hale. But it's important for us to bring you guys a show. I am hoping that it's not too bad and that you guys can hear me nice and clear so we'll get through this pro wrestling episode. Either way, it's good to be here with you guys chopping it up to start the week. As always, we have a lot to talk in terms of pro wrestling. AEW Double or Nothing was this past weekend. We have to talk about NXT and their first of two Tuesday shows. Maybe it's just two. And, of course, talk some WWE main roster stuff as well. But first, old man, I wanted to start it off with, we have new music, and there's not much else going on in the world right now, shockingly. So, I think Big Sean has the table. Big Sean dropped Detroit 2 this past week. And, one, have you listened all the way through? Because I know you listen to everything. 
And two, what was your thoughts on it? All right. Well, one, before somebody corrects you, you called it uh, A double double or nothing. It's it was all out. Oh, A W all out. Excuse yeah. me. So yes, I've listened to Big Sean's album. Um, and what did I think about it? Uh, I don't love it as much as everybody else does. You're not a Big Sean guy. I'm not. I'm not. And like, <laughs> I don't know how to say this because he's not whack, right? Big Sean's not whack. I will not say Big Sean's whack. But I will say that I feel like Big Sean is a guy who is perfectly serviceable to put on your album on a guest spot. And you don't really have to worry about him outshining you, although he can. He's fully capable of doing that. But you'll never get a bad mark for putting Big Sean on your album. His entire career, to me, is Control. The song Control. And if you remember... Nobody remembers Big Sean's verse from Control. Everybody remembers Kendrick's verse. And that's kind of Big Sean's career because he was perfectly fine on that song. But it's, it's never truly been a, a moment where I've been completely blown away by Big Sean. And this album, Detroit 2, one, it's not as good as Detroit 1. Anybody, every people that keep saying that, I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's good. It's solid. It's, it's not spectacular. Um, there were some songs on there that I could have done without. There was, I mean, it's 21 songs, man. A couple skits. Uh, but I think we, like, my favorite songs on that project is still Deep Reverence with Nipsey. And that was the first song I heard. Everything else is cool. Guard Your Heart Solid. Um, Wale Killed It. That see, it's another moment where I'm, I see a guest and I'm like, the guest kind of outside, outshine Sean. Oh, okay. Um, Body Language was cool. Uh, the joint with Wayne was that was straight. Lifting Wayne with Travis Scott, even though I'm not a big Travis Scott guy, that was that was solid. But it it was it's an okay joint. The Friday Night Cipher, it's incredibly long, super long, and it was good. That nothing here is something I'm going to revisit at the end of the year. Put it like that. Oof. All right. Well, I think Wolves is super dope. You didn't mention. Oh Wolves. yes, Wolves is dope. Wolves is Wolves is dope. But I kind of could have done without Post Malone. But whatever. That, that's fair, but it's Pulse, Pulse Malone. People yeah. like Pulse Malone. So, all right, cool. I get why they put him on the album. But I thought that song was super dope. Uh, yeah, there were some skips. Like ZTFO, like I don't need to be zen necessarily. I could skip that. Um, full circle. It, it gets kind of long towards the end, right? But I expected more out of Friday Night Cypher than I got. I think Royce's part was too short. They try to cram too many Detroit artists. Yeah. Onto there. Uh, I could have went probably without the entire middle portion of that song. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. Like, I listen to Sean, and there's there's times where Sean is really boring to me. Where, where, Sean is, <laughs> like, where Sean is saying things, and I'm like, this is cool, but it's something about the way his cadence is that I'm just like, ah, it's not working for me. But he's not. But uh, wait, time out. You're a Wale guy. Yeah. That's the gripe everyone has against Wale. But see, again, it, it's a tone thing for me. Uh, again, this is one of those situations where I listen. When people say they like Big Sean, I don't argue with them. I'm not like I will not say Big Sean is whack. It's just something about him that when like sometimes like the Zen song, for instance, felt really fucking corny to me. It just felt really corny. And there are times where he's delivering. Where, like, in deep reverence, the whole verse, the whole second verse was incredible. 
But there are other times where I feel like he, I don't know if he's trying too hard or he's trying to do too much, and it just doesn't come across. Like, I, there are times where I just don't feel what Sean is saying. And it, it's hard for me, but it, I like it. It's not whack. I just, when I saw everybody going nuts over it, I was like, this is not like classic material. It's good. This is good. This is a good project. I listen to. I'll probably listen to it a few times over the next few weeks. But at the end of the year, when we're talking about album of the year, I won't be talking about this album. No, I, I think it's like you said, a solid project. I think it was good. I, I like Big Sean and a lot of the stuff he's done. I'm more of a Big Sean fan than you are easily. But the thing with me, and this happens to a lot of rappers, and I feel like it's a trap they fall into a lot, is once you name the album Detroit Two. You set it up for failure. Oh, yeah. Because I'm now judging it off of Detroit 1, which is his best project to date ever is Detroit, the first one, which was a mixtape but really felt like an album. That was almost flawless. So you set yourself up to be compared to that album, and you're almost 99% of the time you're going to fall short. Like Eminem naming the Marshall Mathers LP to that title completely ruined that album was it a great good album it was cool but it was worse because i'm comparing it to the marshall mathers lp which it had no semblance of the only thing that makes detroit 2 the same as detroit 1 are the stories yeah outside of that the feel isn't the same it the bounce isn't the same so me comparing it to that is what kind of makes it a that's eh, a good album if you would have dropped it normally oh yeah it's one of his better albums easily but putting it up against Detroit and that comparison whacked it out to me. And a lot of people do it. The only one off the top of my head that has succeeded in doing so, and I might be missing more, but Wale, the mixtape about nothing, the album about nothing might have been better. Album about nothing is exceptional. It's it might have been better than the mixtape about nothing, and that was incredible. Yeah, album about nothing is still my favorite Wale album. It I think make- so. It, yeah. it, it's my favorite Wale album, and it, that that was like a sequel, you know, built off of the whole Seinfeld theme. That was great, but you're right. Like even Cuban Links Two, like you go through these sequels, and you hold it to a standard that the original set. There's nothing that's ever going to be like only built for Cuban Links. There's nothing that's going to be like the Marshall Mathers LP. There's nothing that's going to be like Detroit. So when you do this, you're setting yourself up to be. Put up against your best work. And it's hard because every artist feels like the last thing they did is the best thing they did. And it's very hard for them to say, no, my first album is my best. Like Nas, I don't think Nas is, I've never heard him say Illmatic's my best album. I don't think I've ever heard him say no. Stillmatic is a good one too. It, it wasn't Illmatic, but yeah, it was cool. Right. And Stillmatic also felt like I'm back more than anything else. It was like, I'm back to the old Nas. I'm done with all the bullshit. That's what that album felt like to me. But yeah. New like artists will never put their old material over their new material, and that puts you in a catch twenty two. Because as a fan, yeah, of course we're supposed to feel like your latest work is your best, but it's not. There's nothing you can do about it. Sorry, it is what it is. So Detroit two, it's solid. It's absolutely not Detroit one. No, and and too much time went in between Detroit and this one to even have the same vibes. Yeah. Like you're supposed to feel different as an artist. You're supposed to grow. Your sound is supposed to change. Then leave that back then. It's different if you do the Carter 1, 2, 3, and 4, right? Like, they're relatively in the same window. The Carter 5 doesn't even sound like the Carter series to me. No. The Carter so, 2 The Carter two is, is the best Carter. Ooh. 
Yes, that's true. Carter 3 is close, though. I don't know. Carter 3 might be better. Not to me, but whatever. Carter 2 has some skips. Carter 3 is tough all the way through. But you look at that, at least it's a series, right? So you look at uh, Jay-Z, Volume 1, 2, 3. It's a series. Right. The sound, like his sound didn't fluctuate too much in that three-year window. So you can do that as a series. When you take eight years between projects, just leave it alone. And that's that's the problem with this to me. It set it up for failure from the get go. But uh, let me crack this woodchuck hard cider sangria. It's the only thing here to drink that uh, actually has a can that I could pop. Wow. If not, I'd just be taking shots of tequila, and I can't do tequila. I blackout. So woodchuck cider it is. Cheers to you. This is where the question gets deep because I know you're. You just said you're not the biggest. Big Sean guy. Then who is on your Mount Rushmore of blog era hip hop artists? Blog, uh, blog, blog era. era. This is this is when you were knee deep. You helped usher in this era. Yeah, yeah. People are going to interview you one day about this era. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right off the top. Is Kendrick Drake are the two top two right off the rip? Cole. Uh... Got one more spot, and I'll let you know my three spots are exactly the same. If we had to rank, rank them one through four, it makes it harder since we both have the same. Uh, I mean, it'll be Kendrick, Drake, Cole. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> think who the fourth guy is. <laughs> and to be clear, like a, a lot of people think I have like Kendrick like super high over Drake. I don't. Like, There's, there's space, but Drake is an exceptional talent. I don't care what anybody says. You don't have to like him. The man makes hits. Yeah, you've been a Drake guy from early. From the jump, I've always liked Drake. Sorry, people are like you're a hardcore hip hop. I am, but no, Drake is dope. Um, that four spot might be Wale. Might be Wale. I like. I don't mind that. I mean, there's only three people in my mind that can have the four spot. Who Who do you have? Because I, I I see if I can replace Wale, but I think I think that four spot is going to go to Wale. My fourth spot, and by the way, mine goes Drake, then Kendrick, then J Cole. My fourth spot goes to Big Crit. Mm. Yeah, Crit is dope. Production. I, I haven't heard a bad Crit project yet. I have one complaint with Crit. And it's not even like a real complaint. Got dogs barking and shit? Yeah, um, yeah the dogs walking out. The complaint, the complaint that I have with Crit is that not that he's ever made anything that's whack. I feel like the level of what Crit can be the ceiling is so high for Crit, and he hasn't touched it yet. And I don't, like, I, um, Return of Forever, I thought was incredibly underwhelming, but it was still a very good album. It was just, what like, it missed the samples. It missed everything that made Crit was here and everything else. But Crit, I, it has, to me, it hasn't happened yet. And that's because I put the bar really high for him, because I think he's really, really dope. And he, I don't think he's touched it yet. Other people are going to disagree with me. I think that there is a crit album out there that's going to be amazing. It just hasn't happened yet. These are have all been really good albums. So I can see him being on the fourth, but I'm going to give that fourth spot to Wale. So the thing that puts crit above Wale for me is that crit does all of his own production. So that sound is, is just naturally crit. Like to me, he's been the best in the South for eight years, seven years. From a true southern artist 
and he's only gotten better at, while staying true to his sound. This last EP he dropped was crazy. It was great. So I, there's nothing I haven't liked of Crit. I think he's super lyrical. I, I put him a notch above Wale, even though he hasn't had the commercial success of Wale. Yeah, I like album about nothing is one of my favorite albums in the past ten years. And that's good. That Wale, I mean that album's incredible. Yeah, and, and Wale's mixtape. And, and I wrote a piece a while ago about Wale's incredibly frustrating career because I think there's been moments in Wale's career where I felt like. I don't want to say he was necessarily pandering to an audience, but it felt like there was an identity crisis. Because after he made his first album, and then he came, like, then he signed with Ross and had ambition, and all. like I felt yeah. like we were trying to figure out who he was. An album about nothing was really who he was. And since then, I, th- I feel like he's been on point, and his mixtape run was incredible. But I'm not mad at anybody who puts crit there. I-, I have no problem with it. Sean just doesn't end up on my Mount Rushmore. Sorry, like people are gonna yeah. be like that. Sean, like Sean came up with the punch, the, the one word punch. Like, yeah, that's cool, but. He just he he never he's never had like an incredible album to me. He doesn't have an album about nothing. Detroit's his best project. It it is it is. And it, it was a mixtape. Right. But then if we're going with mixtapes, then Big Crit. I mean Big Crit Wale. Their mixtapes front to back are probably better. You know I like the Finally Famous mixtape series as well. Um, so Big Sean's mixtape catalog is legit. I just he's in the conversation for me. I put Sean in the conversation for that last spot, but I personally have to give it to Crit. Do you consider Wiz in the blog era? Some people put Wiz in that last spot because of Cushion OJ. Like, um, Wiz has had good albums, uh, the Taylor, Alderis, whatever. Like, Wiz would be in that conversation as well. Yeah, Wiz is definitely in that conversation. Wiz has always had an interesting career because he was signed to a label for so long and didn't do shit. And the mixed, the blogs really allowed him to take off. So, yeah, Wiz is definitely in there. Currency's in there. Um, yeah, Mac was in there. Yeah, dude, yeah. Um, Nikki. I wouldn't put Nikki in there. I mean, if people want, I mean, she's in that era. I of wouldn't course. put her like my mouth, but Nikki's like a candidate for some. Yeah. You can't, you can't shit on what she did for changing or bringing back the the super big women's rapper yeah no that's fair i'm just like eve left and then that was it and then nikki came but there was none of that until nikki came back yeah so yeah i mean you know there's obviously there's schoolboy q there's there's put q in there yeah schoolboy q is he's involved in that conversation there's rhapsody um yeah put j-rock yeah, it's like Rhapsody yeah, was yeah. with Cooley High at the time, so it was like she's a little. See, I guess he could be after the blog era, but yeah, the catalog's not deep enough during the blog era. Yeah, so I mean, that's my Mount Rushmore again. Like people are gonna say, "Yo, you don't like Big Sean?" I don't. I'm not mad at you if you do. It just there's something about it that just does not work for me. No, yeah, I, I definitely agree. He's and I'm a bigger fan. I'll include him fringe Mount Rushmore. I just think you know, create edges him out. But this project was solid. This yeah. was a good project. It's just don't name shit after stuff you did 10 years ago. Because, again, you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, no, that's it. That's it, man. I want to start off with some hip-hop. I figured we'd get into this convo. I expected us to have more, I guess, uh, of a more diverse list or differences within our list. But it comes down to those top three spots are pretty locked up. Yeah. You can't go against Drake, Cole, and Kendrick. So... The last spot was up for grabs. That was a cool little discussion. When we come back, 
Let's talk about AEW All Out. There you go. See, I got it right. AEW All Out when we come back and then pro wrestling for the rest of the show. So you guys stay right there. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But if you guys have been listening to us and you're a little bit hungry, there's an answer for you, and that's DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. You don't have to get up. You don't have to turn off the podcast. They come to you. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite natural restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, as promised, we are back and we are talking AEW All Out. Pay-per-view from this weekend, I know you were on a pause, old man, but you have just watched it. Hot off the press. Coming in hot. So all of your hot takes are saved up about this show. I still know where I stand, and this is the time to let it out. So first of all, something that's not you know the nuts and bolts of the card itself and that is, what did you think about the audience being there? I, to me, it felt weird. Is it just because we haven't had an audience, or was this just not the audience we were like expecting? It was. It was an audience that was there, and they were engaged, but they were so spaced out that it just it wasn't hitting. So this, you couldn't really hear like a chant. Like the only thing you could really hear is them singing Jericho's theme, because that shit was loud as hell. <laughs> yeah. But outside of that. It felt very subdued. It was a weird atmosphere. It wasn't the usual um, AEW talent all in the front making a big ruckus. You had fans trying to start up their own chance to hold signs, and it just felt off. It felt off. I I, I can't put my finger on it, but it, it's like all or nothing. And it was they could have done better with nothing. <laughs> no, I agree. It it felt forced. Like if you can't get that ambiance, but. I guess this is what it's going to be, right? Is that you can't go from zero to 100. Right. You got to test out 10% fans, 25% fans, 50% fans. So that's where we are now, where it's just like, all right, you know, we, we got to see what's, what's going on with it. Um, the card itself that we can dive into, trying to find the first match, Joey Janela versus Serpentico. I didn't watch it. I didn't, I didn't watch the buy-in. Okay, I want to start with this. This was the worst AEW pay-per-view yet. Thank you. I knew I wasn't bugging. And, and I'm glad you watched it with fresh eyes. It wasn't bad. It was, like, there's been worse WWE impact. There's been worse pay-per-views, but this was not good. 
This no. and you want to know what the problem was? They have no sense of fucking time. Oh, it was long. Yo. So for those like nobody saw me tweeting about it because I, I I'm moving into my new house. I had other shit I had to do. Boxing and UFC was going on, so I was like, I'm going to watch this when every after everybody else does. So I, I completely muted all social media. Nobody texts me. I muted everything. So I watched this completely clean coming into this. I had no idea what was going on. And I'm watching it. And when when I started watching, I was like, holy shit. Like, this is really, really long. And it got long to the point where just about every single match on this card, I kid you not, could have lost three to five minutes. It was excruciatingly long. It crazy long. It didn't need to be this long. Like I just didn't under, and it was long. It like there are there's long like Kenny Omega versus Okada long. And you're just like you're lost in the match. You don't care. But then there's long where you go. This is this match would have been a lot better if it wasn't long. And that was the case for a few matches that we'll go through. Some matches just sucked, and we'll go through those as well. <laughs> but I'll, I'll we'll go to, we'll circle back to this match in a little bit. But FTR versus Omega and Page could have lost seven fucking minutes. That match was entirely too long. And it upset me how long it was. We'll get to that in a minute. But that, I'm just watching it mad. Yo, I was just, because I'm watching this match, I'm like, yo, this does not need to be this long. It just didn't. And it hurt the match, in my opinion, severely. This went from a good match to a darker. All right, cool. We'll talk about it. So let's go through the card. All right, so let's skip the pre-show things. Uh, even though Private Party picked up a win over some randos of the Dark Order. So, okay, they continue to get work. Now we have the opener, the tooth and nail match. Big Swole, Britt Baker, cinematic match. Now, we've seen worse cinematic matches, let me say this, out of the WWE recently. So, I get that. This wasn't bad per se, but it didn't do anything for me. It really didn't do anything as the opener of the show. My biggest problem with, that made this a very mediocre pay-per-view for AEW is that the sequencing was all off. It's like having a decent hip-hop album, but the structure is just shit. So then you're like, no, this is a bad hip-hop album. Like, I hate when someone buries the best tracks at like 13, 14, and 15. Like, give me a banger out the box. I... This was that's what this pay-per-view was for me. It wasn't, you know, like New Japan where we know it's a constant build so we can work our way up. This was, okay, we don't know what's going to happen, and it just came off flat to me. It set a flat tone. And it was 10 minutes, so it wasn't too long. One of the only matches that weren't. But it was anticlimactic, slow one, but I, I didn't like it that much. Okay, well, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Oh, this match fucking sucked. Oh, I thought you were going the other way. <laughs> no, man. No, this match was bad. This match, here's why this match was bad. Because they put the tooth and nail and they did it at the dentist's office, but it was a walk-in brawl, right? It was like they yeah. walked into a room and they punched each other a couple times. Then Rebel comes in and gets hit with like a, a something, anything. Um, I thought it was funny when she had the banana peel on her head. But other than that, this match was this match for a few that they've been building through Brick Baker's injury, uh, with in her interactions with Swole. This match, this match just wasn't it. This match wasn't good at all. 
Like this match was the worst way to start this pay per view. It it was it was it was too long. At ten minutes, it was too long. The Novocaine in the leg spot was stupid, and putting her to sleep with gas, and then she wakes like right back up. That was ridiculous. The offense offense felt uh, contrived. Felt yeah. it didn't feel like nothing really hit. Uh, even the dirty dancing when she hit dirty dancing, swole it just it didn't hit. This match sucked. They could have done this. I know they couldn't do this as a regular match because, you know, Baker's still recovering from her injuries and she can't go 100%. So this is the best way to kind of splice something together. But they should have held off on this. This this match sucked. Yeah, she can't go hold it off. I agree on that. If this was the best you can do, then just wait. Hold off on it. There was no need to pull the trigger now. No one was clamoring to say, we need this match now. No. You could have done another three months of these promos. I would have been fine. Yeah. Unless you're moving slow into a bigger picture. No. Which I'm not positive of that at all. So it, it doesn't do anything for me. It feels like a feud that still has to keep going. Um, if they move slow off of it, I don't know what's next for her. So I don't know. I, again, I didn't hate it. You disliked it strongly. I, Doug, I hate but this, man. It, it set a bad tone for the starter pay-per-view. And then next up, the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express in a match to me that, shout out to Justin Ivey, in our group chat, you know, hit the nail on the head, had no storyline. It had no point. This was the, we're the Young Bucks and we need to be on the card match. And the spots didn't hit very hard for me. It, it just felt like a blah tag match. Um, I disagree. I like this match. I didn't love it. I didn't love this match. I didn't love it. I like this match. I didn't mind that there was not really necessarily a story. The story actually was that the Young Bucks are going heel. That's more of the story than anything else. There is, and we'll go through this on this card, but they have finally decided that just because they started AEW, they don't have to be babyfaces anymore. And now they're all starting to drift off into their real roles, which are heels. The Bucks suck as babyfaces. As great as their matches are, as babyfaces, they're not really as fun. And in this match with them attacking Marco Stunt, some of the other things that they did in this match, they, they did a lot of their old heel shenanigans. So I think they're turning heel. If they're not turning heel, this was completely pointless. But I thought the match itself, like Luchasaurus always looks pretty damn good to me. Jungle Boy hit some nice, nice spots. And the Bucks are the Bucks. The Bucks are just really good at what they do. But this, this match wasn't great because there were, there were no stakes. It was just kind of a match. Um, but I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it at all. I saw a lot of people was like, why is this match happening? I don't know. But I think it, we're trying to further the Bucks being healed. So I can, I can buy into that. I'll give you that. And that's only because I saw something play out later that's like, okay, I can see the Bucks making a heel turn. Outside of that, I thought it was a mediocre match from what the Bucks have given us in the past. It wasn't one of their best matches. I still think they're better. I still think they're the best tag team in the world. I still think when they put it all together, there's no team like the Young Bucks. But they haven't put it all they didn't put it all together. This was a cruise control match where we expected more out of them. But their their bar, their ceiling, just like Big Crit is really high. Except they've yeah. hit their ceiling a number of times. Agreed. I think they just need the story to propel them to those heights. The only thing this was missing was the story. It was spots for the sake of spots. Yeah. You know, like there was just no story behind it. And it's not like they fully committed to the, oh, the Bucks are here. Because they could be babyface next week and be like, okay, 
That's also understandable. It's like nothing was, no one committed to anything on this pay-per-view. It was a bunch of half-stepping. So this could all, all change on Wednesday. So next up, 21-man Casino Battle Royale. <laughs> Yo, okay. <laughs> the I'm... worst match of the night. You know all that anger and angst you had for the first match? Throw all that shit on this one. Okay, so there, there, I'm sorry. There was, somebody did spoil something for me in, in this particular match. Uh, <laughs> I'm chilling. I'm watching boxing. I'm watching uh, UFC. And I get a text. And the text is uh, Matt Seidel, like, flopping in the air. And I was like, what is this? And, <laughs> <laughs> and the individual says, just click it. And I was like, is it a spoiler? It was like, not kind of, not really. I was like, well, I didn't know Matt Seidel was in the match, so that was kind of a spoiler. But then I watch him come into the ring, hit a flying knee strike, climb to the ropes. He's hot. Excalibur and J.R. and Tony are selling this. And he goes for a shooting star press. And there was no shoot, no star, <laughs> and there was no press. And he took the sickest L, which is basically Matt Hardy's run in AEW was the Matt Seidel botch. He showed up, hot, flying knee, and everything else went downhill from there. That shit was Seidel tweeted that that's the first time he botched that. <laughs> like, ever. Woo. It's a bad time. Yeah. A bad time to put that botch. But again, still wasn't the worst part of the match to me. Several parts of this match just outright stunk. It wasn't. Like, what was Phoenix and Pentagon doing? Dude, this match wasn't good. That All I can remember is, is Matt Seidel just l- losing his shit. That's all I can remember. Everything else. The only other spot that was worthy of, of, of discussing was... Um, uh, wait, what was it? It's not and, even worthy. <laughs> well, well, Darby Allen getting body bagged and getting tossed to the outside and taxed. I was like, that's fucking brutal. Um, the ending of this match stunk. Why did Cage eliminate himself? I don't know. Cage looks like a fool. I do he came like, in hot. He came I, in hot three months ago. I do like Will Hobbs, though. I think this guy looks like he could be something. They need to figure it out, though. Because he, he looks like this guy looks like a muscle-bound freak, and he seems pretty athletic. And I know he's been kind of doing his thing on Dark. They need to do something with him. But, yeah, this match, these casino battle royals get worse and worse every time. Yeah, Eddie Kingston, like going to the end, didn't do much for me. I I like Eddie Kingston a lot. I think Eddie Kingston, if they go to a second show, I think Eddie Kingston putting together. Look, first of all, they need to put him with LAX. That's, Please, they put him with LAX. But that man's mouthpiece is like gold, and he should be heading up something. But yeah, he shouldn't have been in the final series match. I, I I didn't see it. Like agreed. I the dog is at it again. Damn this dog. Uh, no, agreed. Eddie Kingston to me, mouthpiece great. I haven't watched enough of his matches to say he's good in ring. I haven't seen it yet. So I, he needs to be part of a faction, in my opinion, to really get rolling. So Archer winning, okay. My problem with Archer winning is, is he gets a shot now at the main title, right? Mm-hmm. They don't do this like money in the bank briefcase shit. So when you win, you get an immediate shot. That's how Brian Cage just won the same thing four months ago. Well, he won. Why a, is there, he won a ladder match. But wasn't it for a poker chip? Yeah, I don't know what it was for. It was like a battle royal, and he won the fucking poker chip, and then was the number one contender. It double or nothing. 
Why do you have three of these matches a year? I don't know. Makes no sense. So you have a 21-man Casino Battle Royale. How the fuck do you even get that number? Because it was done in Vegas. Blackjack? The first, okay. one, the first one was done in Vegas. So. Great. So Blackjack, 21. Cool. So you got that. Lance Archer wins. A heel of heel. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know who's winning the main event now. Exactly. This, Thank you. This you, was you ruined the main event two hours. And it still took two hours to get there. You were in the main event two hours ahead of time. Oh, like as soon as I saw Archer win, I sat there and I looked at because I, I watched it on my laptop and I was had like other screens going doing other shit with work, and I was like, oh, thanks guys, because there's no way we're going MJF versus Lance Archer. That's not gonna happen. If, no way. If this was a something similar to a Money in the Bank briefcase, then you could have fooled me. But yep. yeah, this yeah bad bad. If, if you win a poker chip, just have them carrying the poker chip, yeah, like the Money in the Bank. New Japan does the same shit with the contract from G1. Just have them carry it around. It doesn't have to be the next favorite. So, just like that, I already knew who was winning the main event. Thank you, guys. Now, the shortest match of the night, and the one that caused the most stir and talk, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. This is a case of going to the well one too many times. I understand Matt Hardy does his broken universe cinematic shit. It's okay for him to have a normal match. And at his age, you can only do so much crazy shit so many times. In general. So we get, fast forward, they're fighting stadium stampede with only two people this time. Again, going to the well one too many times. They have to up the ante from everything they've done before. So you get a Sammy Rivera spear off the top onto the table where they both completely miss the table. Matt Hardy hits the back of his head as hard as you can possibly do from 10 feet above in the air. There was very small margin for error on this and they completely struck out. They did everything you could do wrong in the spot. Hardy's out. There's a cut scene. Everyone's like, what the fuck just happened? Thought Matt Hardy lost. It's like a clear stop, retake, cut, and you join back in, and Hardy's fighting again. No explanation, no nothing. Completely out of it. Seems like they wrap up the match pretty quick, but still make him climb the scaffolding to get this last spot with Sam Rivera going through. I guess what it, the stage or the whatever the hell that is, the ramp. Way too long, way too dangerous, does nothing for either of them, and then turn Twitter into a friend. Again, I did not watch this live. I had no clue what was about to happen. I see this spot, and the first thing I think is, oh, he's hurt real, real bad. He's out. And I'm watching... And I remember the stipulation. Oh, if Hardy loses, he's out. He's got to leave AEW. And I'm like, they're not about to do this. But they did. This was one of the most irresponsible things I've ever seen in pro wrestling. That's no- saying something. Knowing what we know. And when I say ever, let me, because Owen Hart obviously would be the worst thing ever. But in the past decade, I'll, I'll use that. Knowing what we know about concussions, I'll use that. No, we know about concussions in 2020. This was the most irresponsible thing they could have possibly done. Because Hardy was out like a light. 
there was he wasn't moving his mouth was open they did the x sign which they really need to stop doing this x sign because you don't know if it's real or fake anymore yeah stop working people yeah you gotta stop but then clearly they did this because of stipulation they were like look matter you okay of course he's gonna say he's okay he's on fucking autopilot and then they restart the match go home straight to the finish so matt hardy's career in AEW was saved this is where I give WWE more credit than AEW. WWE would just figure some shit out. Yep. Because, like, you know, loser leaves town match. Nobody ever fucking leaves town. Like, yep. it just doesn't happen. They could have had Broken Matt come back. Something. And do a no contest. I don't care what you do. In the match. You know, like, we just had something similar where you had uproar with a chair shot to Cody's head. Yeah. And then you do this? Now, Sammy Guevara is as close to a made man as possible for being a young talent. He didn't need to do this match with Matt. He's already there. You just put him in a different feud, he'll get there. Matt, on the other hand, has been in one too many car accidents. He's destroyed his body over the years. It's completely unnecessary. And when it, and when it went wrong, end the match. This almost this kind of took me out of the rest of the show because I couldn't stop thinking about this. Because I get it, Matt wants to still go. He's a wrestler, that's what he does. It's like a football player getting a concussion. If you have nobody there to tell you you can't go out for these for this next series, they're just gonna go out there. Yeah. And to still have him climb the scaffolding, like and then the Sammy Guevara spot where he goes through the tables, if anybody knows, there's no padding underneath those tables. He could have took a similar L. These were like the indie days are over. You're on TV now. I look, we love GCW, right? I love yep. PWG. I love indie wrestling because in as risky as shit, a lot of those things they do are completely unnecessary when you become a made man. You don't have to do these spots anymore. And this match didn't have to happen like this. This was a big black eye in AEW, and it's unforgivable. I can't. And Tony Khan trying to clean it up. I like I looked on social media and I was like, no, man. I don't care if you think if you're gonna say he's okay. He wasn't. No. Not he, worth it. It's not, not worth, worth it. It's, it's not worth it. It was too much. It was too much. I I was disgusted with the way this match was handled. Yeah, it, there's no excuse. And for Khan to come out afterwards and try to give an excuse to save it. Say, yo, we were wrong. Yeah, you shouldn't have done this. This didn't need to happen. It should have stopped. We should have figured it out. It's okay to just take the L. And to me, they didn't take the L. There's still time. Maybe he can address it differently. Um, I don't know. Ruby let them ass let their ass have it though. Yeah, I mean, so it's her husband. Like Reba Hardy is like Reba's kid. She's nuts, right? Like she's already. Oh, Reba's crazy. She's a lunatic. But that's why you don't do this spot. You got to deal with his wife. (laughs) Come on, man. He doesn't need to do this shit anymore. Like, Matt Hardy is done. Not only is he made, he's a Hall of Famer. It's over. He doesn't need to do any of this. So when something like this happens, you can just find a way to work out of it. It, it was an accident. Accidents happen. Totally understand. Continuing the match was the worst thing you could have possibly done. Yep. Very bad. In finishing with another dangerous spot, the man's concussed. What if he just loses the equilibrium and then falls? Right. That's what I'm saying. It was like, completely understood. It's all bad all the way around. Next match, one of my favorite matches of the night, Sheeta versus Thunder Rosa. This was a good match. However, good match. I didn't think it was too long. A lot of people did. I did not think it was too long. My problem wasn't that it was too long. 
Even though it could have had a few minutes shaved off and been totally fine. My problem was there were certain spots in this match where they were super telegraphed. For instance, Thunder Rosa being on the outside waiting for a seater to hit her with a Meteora. Like she waited at least like 10 seconds. And she like braced herself for it so it was very visible. So a lot of, a lot of this match felt very telegraphed where it was like they were trying to chain wrestle but it was like they were thinking their way through it. But it was still a good match. It just didn't flow. Like watching Sasha and Asuka, they flow. This match didn't have that same kind of flow. But it was still still one of the better AEW women's matches. And I hope to see Thunder Rosa back. But yeah, I, it might be it might be one it might be the best. So yeah, like, it's not like it was a high bar. And, and there's something there's something about Sheeta too. As much as I like Sheeta, there's something missing. Really? Yeah, it's just it's something missing from a storytelling standpoint where I'm not buying in. Oh well, she doesn't have a character. She's just a very good wrestler, right? And to be the champion to try to tell stories in the women's division, and that's where I'll give Britt Baker a little bit more credit because there's a character that's being developed. But I'll hate it when she wins the title because in you know when the bell rings, she's just not that good. But like Nyla Rose is a little bit of both, and Sheeta, I like Sheeta as a wrestler, but she's like a wrestler. I need a character to some degree. Because when you have all these other characters surrounding you and you're like the only pure wrestler, it gets difficult. Yeah. No, definitely. They're not... That's the other thing. Like, I understand they don't want to be WWE. No, they have to be. But sooner or later, you're on weekly television. Right. Everyone should have some semblance of a character. Yeah, it's do so it's, it's tough. Yeah, but I really liked the match. I thought that was really good. And then I was like, okay, now we're hitting the next gear. Ah, I thought... So then they come with the Nightmare Naturals, or the Natural Nightmares. Oh, fuck. Dustin Rhodes oh, and QT Marshall, Matt Cardona, and for some fucking reason unexplained, Scorpio Sky. Versus the Dark Order, newly crowned badass, beat Cody into a pulp and sent him to a hospital, Brody Lee, Uno, Grayson, and Coke Cabana still acting a fool, but in the Dark Order. You tell me why or oh why. One, do the nightmare team win? Why? Why is this needed? Two, why does Dustin Rhodes still get offense in 2020? And why does he get the victory? Yeah. If you're going to put Scorpio Sky in this hodgepodge of a dumbass match, couldn't he have done a roll up in one? Yo, this match pissed me off. Because Scorpio clearly is the odd man out. Like, why are you here? Yeah, why are you defending Cody? He just beat you. You're in you're S- just you're just talking shit about it. You're in SCU. That's your crew. Why is this happening? And they use this as a vehicle to get to Dustin Rhodes versus Brody Lee. Look, man. The nightmare. The natural nightmares are fucking terrible. There's nothing. Oh. There's nothing that I enjoy about this whatsoever. Allie, Brand, Brandy, QT, Marshall, Dustin Rose, like, yo, this is, this feels like nepotism. This feels like something that's like, the only reason why you're here is because you're related to the family. Because yeah. none of this makes any sense. And then the Dark Order losing, okay, we need to figure out this Cole Cabana shit and get, be done with it. It needs to end. Because I don't get it anymore. You can't have him cooling off Brody Lee. People were just saying, finally, Brody Lee arrived and he's a badass. And then he loses on the pay-per-view? So... The only redeeming thing that can possibly happen here is that Brody Lee puts Dustin Rhodes on the shelf because that's what really needs to happen. Look, I, 
Dusty Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes is one of the best matches last year. We all enjoyed it. But that shit is over. There is no reason where Dusty Rhodes should be occupying a spot that Scorpio Sky could be holding. At all. Darby. Anyone. Anybody. Anyone. Why is he taking up 15 minutes and 10 seconds on a pay-per-view? Yo, this, this match. Like, I watched this match with so much apathy. I was like, I don't give a fuck about this match. Even Matt Cardona being there, I was like, I'm fine with this. But part of this natural nightmare doesn't make any sense. Dark Order should have just mushed them. Just yep. destroyed them and ended the night. Easy, but they did it. Or just give me Matt Cardona versus Brody Lee. And he's def- defending the honor of his friend. Yeah, like, And give me a 15-minute match. Just, man, cut it out with Dustin Rhodes, man. I don't want to see another goddamn Canadian destroyer. I'm, yeah, I don't know what pops for that anymore. It's, it's, not, it's, not a, it's, it's just a move now. That doesn't make any sense. This, is, this match was bad. Oh. Horribly bad. I'm I'm mad because I'm just like Scorpio Sky is so good and he's a guy who clearly you need to get behind. You need to find a way to get behind him as a solo act because he's he's incredibly good in the ring. He cut an incredible promo, but you can't set, sack him with this kind of crap. He's too he needs to stand on his own. If he breaks with SCU, so be it. Whatever you have to do, but this was not it at all. And then we still have a whole nother hour and a half left of this paper this man this shit was too goddamn long <laughs> next up we have ftr versus omega and page touched on a little bit earlier my feelings on it was it was a very mediocre match from what we've seen omega and page have recently ftr i was like when i was watching it and i was in the group chat talking to guys i was like yo it's not a bad match but they haven't hit that NXT revival gear yet. You know, like they didn't kick it into third, fourth gear yet. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. This match was 29 minutes and 40 seconds. They never took it out of second gear. Here's what killed this match. The extended limb work on Kenny's leg. Only for him to kind of no-sell it at the end of the match. Which is crazy. But... This match started off fine. It was like the story they were trying to tell was more about Kenny and Adam being on the same page earlier. No pun intended. But for them to be on the same page and be a tag team. And we saw what the story was throughout. But for this match to be 30 minutes long and have like a 10-minute knee segment was unnecessary. And it didn't allow this match to get out of another gear because you were trying to tell two stories. One, between Paige and Omega. And two, with Omega being the wrestler in peril who's going to need help at some point. So they had to overwork the leg to the point where I was just kind of taken out of the match. It was not about FTR anymore. And if this is going to be your tag team champions, I need the focus to be on them to some degree. 30 minutes for a match that didn't have necessarily a sprint. To be clear, I loved how it ended. I thought FTR, the things that they do as a heel tag team, where they cut people off and prevent them from getting in and switch on and switch out, they do things really, really smart. But this match needed a crowd, for one. Like, the page hot tag would have been set off a totally different way. And for two, I need a sprint finish. This this just lacked. It was a good match. But it could have been great. It was supposed to be incredible. No, I agree. It could have been way, way better. Especially at... Look, I didn't like the end as much as you did. So you thought it was a good ending? I, I didn't. One page took the pin. And then Omega gets mad 
and runs backstage. They follow him with the camera backstage. He's throwing a hissy fit. He runs into the Bucks. The Bucks, I, just, I still don't know if they heal from earlier or still babyface. And then he's like, are you with me or against me? And he's storming out. And I'm like, is Kenny Omega heal? Yes. And then now Adam Page is still babyface while drinking? Wait, but I thought Adam Page was having an alliance with FTR, who's clearly heels. I don't know who the hell's a babyface and who's a heel now. See, this I'm fine with this because Kenny Omega says one line walking out where he says, we need to clean house. The cleaner's coming back. We're about to get Kenny Omega cleaner, Bullet Club Kenny Omega back. Hopefully best bout machine Kenny Omega. But we need the heel Kenny Omega. And the way this match ended was uh, it was setting us up to think that Adam Page was going to do the heel turn. But no, he's going to still probably be the drunk. He got manipulated. And Kenny Omega seen through it. The Bucks have seen through it. And now we're, I guess they're going to try to build this into believing that we need to feel sorry for Adam Page. This could all work if they do it right. But again, the Bucks and Omega, they're heels. They have to be heels moving forward. If they're baby faces, this is all for naught. Kenny Omega needs to have an edge because it just works better. They gotta figure if they're it out. Heel, if they're heels, cool. Like you said, it works. If they're not, it, it was a lot for a little. You're absolutely right. It's a big waste of time. But if they're heels, cool. One, because I've been saying it from the start, he's the guy to take the belt off of John Moxley. Moxley's the biggest baby face in the company. You need him to be a heel to do it. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's then it makes sense. Okay, then we're headed in that direction, and I got you. Still, match, very long. The ending felt anticlimactic. I didn't, I don't know what FTR is then. Then they're heels, but it didn't feel like their crowning moment. No. They have time. They have LAX. They have Lucha Bros. They have other teams to really put them in there. I mean, if they're heel versus heel matchup, maybe they go against the Bucks sooner or later. I don't know. But still, I, I feel like they left something on the table. It, it wasn't like, oh, yes, these are the guys. We're happy they left WWE. WWE wasn't using them. This is who we saw in NXT. This is why they deserve to be the champions. I didn't leave with that feel. No. I agree. So we, we need something better going forward. The champions, though. So now they got the, the X on their back, so we'll see how they handle that. Next up, Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. I have my TV on mute, so I was kind of lost. For a second, it took me like it's matches 15 minutes. It took me a good seven or eight to figure out that those vats weren't like butter and they weren't like lobsters trying to be dunked in it, and that it was mimosa mayhem match. <laughs> um, so I was very confused on how we even got to a mimosa mayhem match. What a weird stipulation, kind of a hokey stipulation, but I guess cool. Arch Cassidy wins, Chris Jericho doesn't have to take a pin, he just gets dunked in a vat of mimosa. I love that they use the word vat and a vat of mimosa. So I, I guess this is like your type of match, right? Like you love mimosas and shit. You're the, the brunch god. So I feel like this is something you would have penned up if you weren't being creative. So I, I get it. A little bit of the bubbly for Jericho. I, I just don't know where they go. I, you talked about this with Guevara earlier. You're like, he didn't need this Matt Hardy match. I feel like Orange Cassidy didn't need three of these Chris Jericho matches. I think Jericho set him up for what he was going to be, and he was red hot. Dunking Jericho and Mimosa didn't really give me that feeling of, okay, Orange Cassidy has arrived, or this is his coronation. I was like, eh, okay. Um, okay, so I think it's a little bit different. Cassidy's not a made man. He's 
getting over now is Orange Cassidy. He's like, we like the character. Now we got to see him work. Smash was fine for what it was. It wasn't long. Um, you know, the orange, they should call it the orange crush instead of the orange punch, but whatever. It's an incredible looking Superman punch. Jericho putting Cassidy over is good. My real question here is where does Cassidy go from this point? Because he's not going for a title. He needs a good feud, but he's like this unique character. I'm trying to figure out where, where they go because the Jericho match, while good, wasn't great. And I don't know whose limitations that I can blame that on. I've seen Orange Cassidy work in the Indies, and he can do some great stuff. He's had great feuds with MGF, and that's really where they should pivot to. But I don't know. I don't know where this all goes. I think Jericho putting over was the right thing to do. He didn't have to eat the pin. Jericho will be fine no matter what. Cassidy kind of needed this to close the book, to close the chapter on this book and move on to what's next. I'm just really curious about what's next. I mean, I again... This really, the whole pay-per-view didn't really answer many questions for me. It created a ton of questions. I don't know what's next for anyone outside of John Moxley, who we'll talk about now. But, and I don't like what's next for him. So a lot of stuff is up in the air. Like you said, it could go really right. Stuff can come together and there's a lot of stuff in the air that could work. But a lot of shit could be fumbled as well. Main event time, 24 minutes. I like this main event. To me, this saved the pay-per-view. This was good. For being, this went from being a bad pay-per-view, can't believe people wasted their money on this, to, no, it's okay pay-per-view. It's the worst AEW pay-per-view, but it's okay. Because I like this match. I liked MJF's work. When he got color, it took the match to another level. I thought that was great. I thought, you know, Moxley having to dig into the bag and use his band paradigm shift move cool he had to use that to win it gives mjf an out like you couldn't beat me without this you needed to beat me with that move i think it's great i thought it was something that was going to elongate the feud but lo and behold two hours beforehand they told me that this was going to be a one-off mjf is going to use it as an excuse and we're only going to see john moxley do another feud with someone else after this Especially when Moxley won, and he looks over at Archer, and they have a stare down, and it's like, fuck, here goes another one-off. The one thing we said they couldn't have. Dude, this match was really good. It wasn't great, but this was a really good Moxley match because they were really creative on how they got to the finish and Mm -hmm. the near falls and the aspect of MJF trying to keep the match in the ring and then still trying to find ways to Like, this was a good MJF match just as much as it was a good Moxley match. This was a good match. I hated that I kind of knew what the finish was going to be. Well, not the finish, who was going to win. I thought the finish was very creative. MJF trying to get over by using the diamond ring, to, but he gets caught. Moxie catches the referee not uh, looking and hits him with a paradigm shift. It's brilliant. I thought the ending was great. It's brilliant if this feud keeps going because MJF shows up next week and says, you didn't really beat me. You used the paradigm shift. That was a banned move. I want a rematch. That is what needs to happen. Archer, that shit can wait. And it has to wait, but they're not going to do it. They got to stop this one-off shit. This is a feud. Let them feud. Like, Let's get to it. Let's have more conversations. Let's have more MGF jumping Moxley. Let's do whatever we got to do to keep this thing going, because it shouldn't end right here. It just shouldn't. No, agreed. It, it's just, it feels 
Like, there's so much more there. And MJF showed that he can deliver the match you need him to deliver in these big spots. He didn't seem out of place at all. Wardlow, I don't know what the fuck Wardlow brings. At this point, if MJF got to do it by himself, might as well just do it by himself. Yeah, so we'll close with this before we move on to WWE. This All Out felt like a culmination of we're just getting out of this corona bullshit, so let's close the books on all this so we can go back to what we were supposed to do in the first place. That's what it felt like to me. Very similar to, and we won't spend a lot of time on this, the New Japan show. Have you watched it yet? I have not. Do you know what happened? Yes, I okay. caught it in the group chat. Okay, because people, I know listeners are like, God damn it, Kelly, you need to watch it. But anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but Naito getting his titles back felt very arbitrary because it was the match kind of sucked and evil should have never been there in the first place. It was all done because of the pandemic to, to get the titles off of him, to put somebody in Bullet Club because they didn't know how long these travel bans were going to happen. And now they're slowly lifting. We're getting closer to G1. So we're going to put things back to where they were. This is what All Out felt like. It's like, all right. We're going to go back to what things were because probably Omega and Page probably shouldn't have the titles for this long. Uh, Moxley's probably going to get into an actual feud at some point. Hopefully, Pac comes back sooner than later because they're really missing him right now. Um, so this is like the end of a weird era of AEW wrestling. That's what it felt like. Hopefully, they can figure this thing out because the pandemic is not quite over yet. They still don't have full capacity with fans. They still got some storyline issues that they need to fix. The, the pay-per-view was fine, but it was their worst pay-per-view. And they need to figure this out now. I don't want to have to sit through another four-and-a-half-hour pay-per-view. Cut that shit out. No, I agree. I, it was way too long. I'm glad the final match lived up to what it was supposed to be, and it was a great title match. But they really could have shaved this down and I would have been way more hyped by the time this got off. Yeah, I was tired, man. Like I was watching tired. in the I'm watching it in the middle of the day and I'm tired. I was like, I can't imagine what you guys were going through. Shit, it was a long show. Crazy. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll touch on WWE to wrap up this week's show. Or I guess the first show of this week. You guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday ticket.tv you can stream every live out of market nfl game every sunday afternoon on your favorite devices plus red zone and direct tv fantasy zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players no matter where you live nfl sunday ticket.tv is your key to the most glorious sundays ever use the promo code bluewire at checkout to get 15 percent off your subscription visit nfl sunday ticket.tv and use promo code bluewire All right, just that quick, we are back, and we are on the home stretch of the show. We are going to touch on NXT and the main roster here in a second. But first, of course, we got to open it up, sharing our thoughts on Vince McMahon. I mean, none of us are on the call. Do I still have to say alleged? Uh, allegedly saying that his talent can no longer do outside podcasts, uh, cameos, and that he also owns the licensing to their real names. So that's how they've been doing it. Before, a lot of the talent, uh, Twitch, all that stuff, has been using their real government-issued names, which the WWE, to my knowledge, do not own, and they did not sign away. 
and using those for side money. Now it seems as though Vince McMahon wants to put that to a stop. All money you earn is through WWE and under their brand. If this is in response to, you know, the Velveteen Dream while and out on Twitter or soliciting young talent or, you know, athletes trying to quote unquote train them and then trying to be a fucking creep, this is a shitty response. Punish Velveteen Dream by cutting him and publicly acknowledge what the hell he did. If it's not, if it's just a money grab and a way for Vince McMahon to further control talent, this is the 360 deals of pro wrestling. Like you hear about the horror stories of artists signing 360 deals in hip hop. That's this in wrestling form. And if they're an independent contractor, they should say, fuck you, I'm doing what I want. Yeah, this was, um, I saw people trying to defend this on social media. Look, pro wrestlers are independent contractors, period. I don't care. Like, I, I've been an independent contractor before. Then they treated me like a full-time worker, but I didn't get health benefits. But I got paid like a full-time worker, but I'm not. So when it came to me doing outside work, they couldn't tell me shit. Unless, and the only thing where it becomes an issue, and this is how it ties to pro wrestling, is if, like, let's just say I was uh, 1099 to write about hip-hop. And they said, when I signed the deal, you can't write about hip-hop anywhere else. They tell me that from the jump. I'll go, okay. I'll write about anything else but hip-hop for anybody else. Fine. Pro wrestling is a little bit different because they're independent contractors with the caveat of you can't wrestle for another promotion. That's fine. This is very much like the UFC where they're now saying, well, we own this, 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 this. You can't do this without us. And that's complete and utter bullshit. There should be no way that the WWE should be telling pro wrestlers not to make money elsewhere. It makes you wonder, because I'm not entirely sure, what happens to Up Up Down Down for Xavier Woods? They own that, and they split it. So he migrated that into the WWE but, years ago. But that's not my point. Because Woods is like going to try, he's trying to host a show on G1. Woods is trying to do other things that are not Up Up Down Down, that are in gaming. Can he no longer do those things? It's a good question. Um, no, because that's also saying like the Miz can't host his show on USA, or you can't do movies. Roman Reigns, you can no longer be in movies. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to do the uh, having maybe a Patreon or having an OnlyFans or having these little side super side hustles, cameos. I think they're trying to take those away, not partnering or getting the green light from another organization that will hold you to certain standards, if that makes sense. Yeah, but that's the so that's the trouble. if they wanted to do something on ESPN, I think they would let them do something on ESPN because they're similar high corporate standards. When you have unmonitored unmonitored platforms where your talent, just by using their real government names, can go and do as they please, then you might run into issues, and maybe that is what they're trying to control. Even though I'm not saying that I agree with it, I think that's just what he's trying to control more than Xavier Woods hosting a show on, you know, on G1 or like some different. You know, I think those are trustworthy platforms. He's trying to cut out these other smaller platforms. Well, see, that's the gray area that I'm talking about. So it's like up, up, down, down is Xavier Woods' platform that is a partnership with WWE, just like the New Day podcast and. The yep. Corey Graves podcast. Those, those are all partnerships with WWE. Like when they do a movie, 
I guarantee you that the agent goes through WWE to get all this clear because obviously the wrestlers need the time off to do it. But wrestlers who are advertising things on Instagram or wrestlers who are appearing on other people's podcasts without the WWE knowing or maybe not informing them. Or when I talk about Woods hosting a show, it's not through WWE anymore. That's because Woods is a nerd who loves video games and comic books <laughs> and all that shit, and he's trying to book it himself. The WWE is no longer helping him. Yeah, and when they're, It would have to go through them. Though. Right, and that's problematic because why does it? Right, so it's like Cameo and like if they had an OnlyFans or whatever it was, if it's not detrimental to the company, if it's not a wrestler going out and saying, man, this shit is fake, like this ain't real, it's all screwed, like completely dooming the co- but, but most of these wrestlers are just doing other shit. Cameo is really wrestlers in character shouting people out. And I think that's, I think that's what pushed him over the edge. And that, I think, and I will tell you this, you'd be like, yo, you got to work for me to make money during this pandemic, right? You have to put your, your life, and, and let's be real, that your life, your health, and the health of your family members on the line because you need to make a paycheck and you got to come and work for me. Or you can sit at home and not be paid and be safe, Right. That's the muscle that the WWE had. That muscle was taken away by guys like Roman Reigns, who's charging $300 a cameo and making more than enough money to take care of his family every month to sit at home for four months. And he wasn't missing any meals. It's like, no, no, no. We got to take this shit away. How much was Big E making on the side? Big, they were, like, Forbes released something. Like, Big E was number one on cameo at the WWE. It was like Forbes are like, what are these fucking business website? Word? No, no, no. That's too much. That's too much power that they have. Now they can sit at home and, and still earn a paycheck. No, I don't like that. You got to take that. And, and, and I think that's what that's what drove them over there. And, that, and that's whack because the wrestlers have nothing but downtime right now. Like, because of the pandemic, this is what they're doing for because of the pandemic. And the WWE is trying to squash it. So if I'm if I'm not like Big E, if I'm not AJ Styles, because I've heard it really kicked off because AJ Styles talking about might uh, having the Rona on his Twitch. Twitch has become a big issue for them. But it's all because of the pandemic. Like, it's this is whack, man. This is like... Again, if it's not detrimental, if it's not hurting the company, leave these guys alone. Because if you're not AJ Styles, if you're not Big E, if you're like one of the NXT guys or you're you're developing, you can't make any extra money and you're just sitting at home, that's whack. Yeah, it definitely is. Line your pockets a little bit. Yep. Should allow them to get some money. Get some money. Shit, come on. Or you're not an independent contractor and we need to unionize and we need a revenue split. We need fifty five forty five. Well, you know what this sounds like. Sounds like the UFC, yeah, right? Exactly. It sounds like boxing. It sounds like everything we we talked about before. Listen, either we're going to be independent contractors or not. And if we're if we're not, if you're going to run this shit like a professional sports organization, we are going to unionize like professional sports players, and we are going to take forty collectively bargained forty five percent of all revenue. Open those books, because yep. I damn sure know you don't pay us forty five now. Exactly. So, I mean, listen, WWE is picking a battle. I'm not sure they won. I really don't. Because you're not, again, the UFC and WWE are in positions where you can't go out and hire scabs. Right. So, I don't know why these wrestlers don't realize that. and say, you know what? We kind of have them by the balls. They have these lofty contract obligations to Fox, to USA Network, to, in the UFC's case, ESPN, 
that employees meet. They have these lofty contracts. Do they not get paid if they do not hit these amount of shows every year? If we all walk out and say we're not doing these shows until we can unionize and get a specific amount of splits, you can't fill us with scabs. All the other decent wrestlers are employed by other places and are not going to wrestle for you. All the other decent fighters are Bellator or they're at one. They are not going to fight for you, Dana White. We are just going to sit out. How are you going to sell pay-per-views without us? Exactly. WWE, how are you going to put on Friday Night Smackdown if none of your roster is there and NXT walks with us? How? So that NXT people don't have to make 50000 They can make one fifty. Crazy. They don't understand the power they have. Because nope. at the top, you need the people at the top to back you and fight for you, even though they're eating well. But you have to make them realize, listen, these people are making money. There's fucking Patrick Mahomes money out there for you. Yep. Like you eating off 10 mil. You think Brock Lesnar is the high to heights? John Cena is the high to heights? They're getting 10, 13. Patrick Mahomes just signed for 45. One team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Their worth is the exact worth of the WWE. Why isn't our highest paid superstar their highest paid player salary? Kind of crazy. <sighs> I don't know. We'll see if what it takes for them to wake up. Um, let's go through real quick to end the show. The actual wrestling in the ring. Tuesday night, NXT aired, popped a good number, almost 900,000. AEW on Wednesday followed that up by doing over 900,000, almost a mil. Why do these shows run on the same night? Ask Vince McMahon. So unnecessary. We get back-to-back NXT shows on Tuesdays, and I'm so happy. I mean, this is all Vince McMahon counter-programming AEW. Like, that's why NXT went to USA, was to counter-program AEW. This didn't need to happen. Everybody can eat. Yep. Then just counter-program them by beating them. And your best chance at beating them in the ratings is by going on Tuesday nights. Yeah. Just so leave them alone. Don't make people choose. Yeah, don't make people choose. Just trust that the hardcore fans that all watch AEW, that you can get half of those to watch NXT, because they're hardcore fans, and you can bring the casuals that AEW can never reach. The casual universe people over to watch as well, and voila, you beat them in ratings when you don't go on the same day. This, uh, I don't, I don't get so simple. I don't get any of this. Like NXT's biggest detriment is they've been trying to counter program AEW. When they do their own thing, they're perfectly fine. Agreed. So I mean, hopefully, uh, I don't know. Hopefully, they they get the memo. We shall see. What do you think of the one hour Iron Man match? I didn't like it. Not that, it, not that it was bad wrestling. I didn't like having a non-finish. Why, why give me an hour? An hour? Yeah, I agree. That's what, that's what bothered me. I thought the match was good. Like the match was I good. thought the match was cool. If the match would have ended, like if they would have done sudden death right there, I'd have been fine. I would have been okay with Cole going for the pin, it hitting two and time being up, and then the third one doesn't count. Yeah, like, and he was that close, and Finn is the winner. But, dude, an hour... Of- Have him be one second late. Uh, yeah, I was, like, when this match ended, I just sat there, I was like, I just watched an hour-long match, and nobody won. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, I wasted my time. Yeah. Other than that, like, the match was fine. But again, it's just, you guys, come on. You Just give me the finish. 
And then next week they could have had a, like this coming Tuesday they could have just had a match to defend like whoever was the last two people with the, with the falls they could have had a match. I, they didn't need to do an hour long Iron Man match. That was so stupid to have a non finish. That at all. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to the match this Tuesday though. Don't get me wrong. I think Finn versus Cole is the match we wanted all along in this spot. And the, I I truly believe it didn't happen because they were trying to counter program AEW. Yep. But now we get what should have been. Yep. The longest reigning champion versus the the golden boy of NXT for the title. Perfect. They should have been it all along. The, so now we get that match. The problem is, is we should have had this match at the paper. Yes. But in the next question is who wins? Oh, Finn wins. Finn has to. Cole win. doesn't need to win, dude. But one Cole getting again. If I'm digging into it, like thanks AEW did the same. Cole picking up the last pin over Finn, pinning him clean to extend this lets me know that Cole is not winning. Finn is winning because he's not getting pinned clean twice. I don't. I don't think so either. It'd be a huge mistake to put the title back on Cole because we didn't need to go through all this to get the title back on him. No, it's going to feel big and special for. Her. Finn to have a second run on top. You know what? You know what NXT has right now? A heel problem. Yeah, Finn, I mean, Finn's a baby face again. If you say so, like Finn's kind of a baby face, but he's got heel tendencies. There's no like who's a who's a pure baby face on NXT. Who's a white meat baby face? Like Johnny Gargano was the white meat baby face. Baby face yeah. Um, Even Damian Priest has got heel tendencies. No, of course. I mean, he was just heel. A minute ago, there's there's no white meat baby. No, like there are guys that you want to see win that you like. Chopper just went heel. Yeah, like they have a heel problem. Cause whoever wins the title, who is the first opponent? That means Finn has to win because he has all the opponents. They're all heels. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean to give him anyone. Because you're going to give him Ciampa. You're going to give him Gargano. I like the idea that Ciampa and Gargano, now that they're both heels, form DIY again. Tag team division's hurting. Bad. They, need, bad. they need that. They need that like yesterday. God, they're, dude, their tag team division stinks. Hurting. Hurting. So, um, yeah, let's do that. Instead of putting them into the title picture. But, yeah, and then you have, I don't know, I, I like a champ versus champ against Walter if I can swing it. Um, I don't. I don't want to see Dream in the picture at all. No, I don't, I don't know who else they have. I don't know if, if Cole gets into one of the pictures. I don't know who Priest goes against. There's a lot of shit up in the air. To be honest, this is the first time where I feel like their roster is settled. There's not a bunch of transition or flux. It's settled. No, I would like to see if you're going to move someone back. Back to NXT, this is probably a good time. Yeah. Because you're talking about white meat baby face. Like, why can't Ricochet come back? Why can't you give... Uh, why can't you... No, like, honestly. Like, you can bring Ricochet back. Or, even better, why can't you give Ali a real run in NXT? Dude, Austin Theory Never came, had one. Austin Theory came back. Austin Theory is a heel. If you make him anything other than a heel, you don't fuck that. Yeah, no, it's true. But I'm just saying, Austin Theory came back. Fandango are the, or Breezango are the champions. Yep. They came back. Some guys just need to go back. I, I mean, it, I hate that when the people keep saying going up to the main roster. When we no, all, it's, a, it's a lateral slot. Yeah, like 
some guys just would be better suited on NXT because they have room to breathe. They're being suffocated on the main roster. Yep. So I, I like that idea. Give me Ricochet, give me Ali. And then Ali can go, you know, North American type first. Ricochet's held that already. Maybe he goes into a few with Finn. Like, you, you have fresh matchups still. Yeah. There's a lot of shit you can do by sliding just a couple of talents back. And again, you didn't sign anyone new. The roster is kind of where it is. You had that ladder match showing new talent. And yeah, a lot of those guys are still around. And they should be around. Priest might be able to feud with one of them. But there's a perfect chance to bring someone down from Raw or SmackDown. Is it, so. is it almost painfully obvious that Dominic Dijakovic and Mia Yim are definitely in retribution? Oh, yeah. Completely obvious. Okay. Uh, we start talking about being roster. Yeah, completely obvious. The only thing that's not obvious is who's going to lead them because this shit is stupid already. <laughs> and the only way to save it is somewhat like the Dark Order where you bring in Brody Lee and it's like, oh, I really was fucking hating the Dark Order. But I really like Brody Lee. I'm going to give this shit another shot. Yeah. So that you need that person because without that person, as is, they don't have anyone to lead no, them. No, it's, it's not even Nexus. It's like, it's just kind of whack. It'll be scrapped and act like it never happened. Oh, that, that's... Give it by Rumble. That's inevitable. Yep. That's stupid. Raw Underground is only going to last another month. That's dumb. Um, they tried all this shit to pop a rating. None of it works. All this shit's going to be out the window. Dude, I need... There are people still trying to defend Raw Underground, but I think my man... Who are these people? I don't know. Uh, just oh, ra- random people on social media. But the, the funniest thing that I saw, my man Jeff J, who's a homie of mine, had tweeted that Raw Underground is the place where black wrestlers go to blow off steam. And I thought that was the funniest <laughs> shit in the world because it has become that. The black wrestlers show up, beat up people, and then they leave. This is so dumb. Raw Underground is completely useless. It serves no purpose. I agree. None at all. Like, no one's put over there. It doesn't advance anyone's character. I don't get it. <laughs> That's what I, mean. I don't get it. There's nothing to get. It's just really dumb. It's a Shane McMahon vehicle. I told you. It's, inev- it's coming. Before they close this thing out, Shane will be the best in the world at MMA. <laughs> and then why oh, does it have God. to have that whack-ass hip-hop music whenever they do it? Oh, my God. They got rid of the girls, which was, thank God, they got rid of the girls. But they still... Really? I'd rather them keep the girls. No, but that was <laughs> that was whack. But then they still have this Streets of Rage-ass fucking hip-hop music in the background when these guys are fighting. I can't take this shit seriously. Did you really go to Streets of Rage? Yes, man. <laughs> I had to. This is bad. It's so bad. No, I... I get you. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with it. It makes zero sense. Right? Like... Again, unless it's to put Shane over, which I begrudgingly believe now, it serves no purpose. It's dumb. It's useless. It's, it's dumb. It is. It's just to kill time on a three-hour show that shouldn't be three hours. I will say this. Uh, SmackDown, strangely enough, this week was the best show on television. Better than NXT and AEW. Past two weeks, I'd say. Yeah. Raw, as much as I've hated that Keith Lee was brought up, they've handled him quite well so far. I need to see what happens after 30 days, but having him look good against Ziggler and then having him not take the pin in the, in the, uh, the triple threat was very smart of them. I just need to know where this goes from here, but it, they've handled it well. 
No, I agree. I again, where it goes from here. <laughs> that's, that's all that's, I want to know. Just tell me where, where are we going. Um, I love the, you know, I love the intercontinental. Who's the real champ? Angle. Sami Zayn is gold. Yes. So I, I really like that. I think Jeff Hardy's the odd man out. I'm gonna fuck about Jeff Hardy having it, but him being a babyface allows Sami Zayn to take it off him. So I think that's cool. And Sami Zayn, I think, should be the rightful carrier of that. Tag team championship wise, whatever. Right? Like, there's worse people to hold it than Knock and Cesaro. Yeah, no, they're fine. Now let's let's talk about it. Sasha and Bailey breaking up. Why did this happen? I'm gonna say it real quick. They've ran out of shit to do. <laughs> but like they they were they've been trying to bleed this thing out, and they were like, "Yo, we just got to pull the trigger because we can't keep teasing them breaking up." I, granted, I still didn't like it to be clear, but I knew that they were kind of in a corner now. I was like, "Well, what what else can we do?" Injury angle, and if if Sasha comes back in the next two to three weeks, this is all for nothing. But if Sasha stays gone, because dude, it was not only a leg injury, but they ran the chair spot on her neck. Yep, she has to be gone till at least. Survivor Series. She needs to come back, not specifically at the Royal Rumble, but somewhere in the beginning of WrestleMania season. But they need to go ahead and let Bailey run a few feuds on her own. That would make sense because, again, it's not like you're on TV, but if you have to turn her into a babyface, which I guess someone has to be the babyface, if it's going to be Sasha, no better way than to have her off for a while and to come back with some good, like, oh, we miss Sasha, babyface, run. Yeah. I mean, you have to do this now because you can't. They've lost the title, tag titles. They lost the like she lost her Raw title. Bailey's still the longest reigning SmackDown championship. Even though this will be a feud when it when it finally culminates, it doesn't need the title, but it'll probably still be there. It we're in a, we're in an interesting spot. We have not seen this where Charlotte and Sasha are going to be off television. Yeah. Like, you're forced to push other women. Yeah, so now Shayna and Nia, even though I don't know what the fuck they are, but it is what it is. Shayna looks like a badass. They're going to break up. They're having a match with the Riot Squad. I don't expect that to be nothing. They broke up Peyton Royce and Billy Kay for reasons I'm oh, not... Oh, the Iconics. That hurt my heart. I can't really understand this because they're not good wrestlers on their own, and their gimmick works together. So I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. I feel like they're trying to give Peyton Royce the push and see if she can float by herself. I don't think Billy Kay can fall by herself at all. I mean, so. duh, did they try that shit with Liv Morgan? And they went right back to the Riot Squad. Yep. So Some stuff just works better as a tag team because you have a full tag team division. Yes. Like, it's okay for the New Day to never break up. It's okay for the Usos to be a tag team for a decade. Some things just work. Ah, speaking of the Usos. So, speaking of SmackDown real quick, I like that they took Big E out of this match because the smart thing to do is if you're going to push Big E, if that ends up being the plan, slow play it. Because all it's doing is building momentum. And having him in this match, like this close to touching a title opportunity, is unnecessary. Keep the feud with Sheamus going for now. And then have him move on to other things as he works his way towards the Royal Rumble. If that's what you're going to do. Having Jimmy Uso win this match gives me two options. One, Roman fucking annihilates him. At Clash of Champions, and really, and really builds up being a heel because there's nothing worse than destroying your own family, and like, it, not even it can't be competitive. He has to destroy Jimmy Uso, or two, finger poke of doom. <laughs> oh God! 
You just got to lay down for him? Lay down for him because for him, I don't know how far Jay is out from coming back. But you have like the 2020 version of the Samoan SWAT team, except it'll be really weird with Paul Heyman handling all their talking. But we've always wanted to see Roman with the Usos. And just picture this, guys. Picture this for a second. Roman Reigns, Finger Poker Doom, we're all pissed off. Jimmy and Jey Uso and Roman Reigns and now the wild, like the, these wild Samoans who can't speak English and like run roughshod over the <laughs> roster, right? <laughs> we, get, we get to WrestleMania season and we start working our way towards a new day versus the Usos with Roman uh, feud where Xavier and Kofi take on Jimmy and Jay for the ta- SmackDown tag titles and Big E wins the Royal Rumble to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Wouldn't you guys like that? I mean, music to my ears. That's why do it's I not trust him to do it. <laughs> That's why it's not going <laughs> to But But, dude, the, the New Day has always had great feuds with the Usos. Their Hell in a Cell match was great. They've always had great feuds with the Usos. And Roman yeah. having an edge, and if you really build him up as a heel during WrestleMania season to face Big E, who's your true super white meat baby face as a black wrestler with personality character like the, the way that they can have this work would be great i don't know if they're going to go that direction i'm just saying it would work so i'm intrigued Man. i'm intrigued with a lot of shit on smackdown let's just hope they don't mess it up i'm intrigued i do not trust them to do it never never, never the, trust them that's the thing um ain't shit on raw that excites me <laughs> so like honestly uh yeah we we had the same thing going in cycles so we had Randy Orton winning to become the number one contender again. Sure, whatever. Cool. I thought that feud was going to be extended anyway. Outside of that, not much I give a fuck. Hey, we don't really. What is the fiend now? Um, I don't know. I I mean, it's a, it's depending on his next feud, right? Yeah. That's he's in that point where it's dependent on his next feud. They have to play out this Alexa Bliss situation. And he has to have a sore spot for Alexa Bliss. I don't know if I trust it. I don't even know if I like it. I'm not, I'm not really even intrigued by it. I'm just trying to figure out where does the Fiend go from here. Because now he's out of this feud. He's out of the title picture for the time being. He should be. Yes, he should be. He absolutely should be. But that's why I think, like, for me, the next logical step is, yeah, figure your Alexa Bliss thing out, right? Feud with Jeff Hardy. Please pray on his his drunkenness and alcohol problems. Yes, but you got to get the belt off of Hardy. Yes, you have, the, you have to. I don't to. need The Fiend in another Hardy feud. Yes, you have like Willow versus The Fiend in a real feud. No title on the line. You're not clogging anything up. You can go this direction. You give The, feud some, the Fiend something meaningful to do that's not attached to a title. And with somebody like Jeff Hardy that can give you a good match. Yep. And it's a feud The Fiend can win. Just don't turn him babyface. Whatever you no, guys I don't, do. I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> Again, though, main roster has the same problem. They have an abundance of people. Yeah, too, too many heels. So the Fiend is not the guy to just flip. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, Matt Riddle took the pin clean on SmackDown. So. Kind of weird, but I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it's lose sooner or later, I guess. Yeah, just, you know. I mean, he lost to AJ, which is fine. Obviously, he couldn't be in the title picture. It would have felt way too soon, but... Him eating the pin here? Okay, whatever. Yeah, a little weird. So we'll see where they go with that. Uh, Keith Lee, what are your thoughts on Keith Lee? Told you, man. I think they're handling him the right way. I just need to see what happens, what his next feud is. Like, once you pull him out of this Randy Orton 
Drew McIntyre situation, which seems like is about to happen, who does he beef with? He's Seth, right? That's why it was a triple threat. Yeah, so it's, it's got to be Seth. And Seth, and him and Seth? Yeah, okay. I'll take that. Let's get it. <laughs> like, let's get it. And I also like the Kevin Owens versus uh, Alex the Blackfeet. Yes. So they have some feuds that could be really, really good. Oscar, Mickey James? Mm. Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess you got to defend against. Yeah, Mickey. Mickey gives good matches. Mickey and Oscar had a match in NXT for the title when Mickey first came back, which was actually yep. pretty good. So they can run it back. I'm fine with it. Whatever. Yeah, it's just Oscar's gonna have a long run. She has. Oscar's gonna have a run until Charlotte comes back and takes that belt. Oh, Jesus Christ! Because <laughs> it gotta be on a horsewoman. Yes, I know. You know it's true. Uh, no, that's our show for today. It was great. It's always good chopping up, talking wrestling. Talk a little bit of hip hop to start it off. So we appreciate it. We appreciate all of you guys for tuning in each and every week. Don't forget to listen to our episode later in the week, talking boxing, MMA, and whatever other wildness happens to come up as well. Shout out to the sponsors, all like four or five of them at this point. Shout out to the network Blue Wire for always holding us down. You guys can follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram. You can follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale on all platforms as well. Stay safe out there. Stay Rona free. Our next show, I will be in Vegas. Maybe I'll go to Dre's crib. We'll record it there, and I'll drink up all his liquor. That is to be seen, but that sounds like a plan to me. Thank you guys for listening as always. Until next time, we're out. Peace. All right. We hope that you guys enjoyed the show, but it's not over yet. The wait is, though. The wait for football is finally over, and the NFL is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.